Welcome to the Sunbury Press Book Show on the BookSpeak Network. Sunbury Press publishes print, electronic, and audiobooks under a variety of imprints and categories available worldwide wherever books are sold. And now your host, the founder and CEO of Sunbury Press, Lawrence Knorr. We're at the Christian Baker Farm near historic Boiling Springs, Pennsylvania. My guest today is author Ginny Fite. She's the author of Leave Everything You Know Behind. Anne Canfield doesn't know. She only has months to live, but even death won't stop her from saving a stranger or protecting her son. An unexpected friendship changes everything for two women facing the hardest challenges life can dish up. Award-winning, been a spokesperson for a governor and for a member of Congress, three colleges and universities, and a robotics R&D company. Writing about ordinary people who grapple with extraordinary circumstances, her novel spanned the genres of mystery, thriller, adventure, and women's fiction. Ginny Fight, welcome. Hi, good to be here. Great to be talking to you, and I know we have a lot to cover, a number of books we'll talk about, but let's start with the new one, Leave Everything You Know Behind. Um, this sounds like a tearjerker. Uh, tell us a little bit about it. It might be a little bit of a tearjerker. Uh, it started because, oddly enough, I was thinking about the seven states in the United States that have laws that allow people to die with dignity. That's usually the way it's phrased. But I couldn't figure out how how that would play out in a person's life. What did that mean? And at the time I was thinking about it, there were a number of stories in the paper about a young woman who was trying to get her right to do this. Of course, her family was appalled. Her husband was estranged. And I just kept thinking about this problem for her and for her family. Um, And somehow this book came out of that, all of that thinking about it. So, it, I mean, in terms of universal themes, this is the uh, grief and loss, love and friendship, family and forgiveness book. Although it's possible... All my books are about that. Right, right. Well, these are great topics, great literary topics, great nonfiction topics, too. Uh, and, uh, yes. Yeah, so uh, I guess uh, the premise that you could know that you're going to die, well, we all know we're going to die, but if you know that it's not too far off, you have some time to maybe take some actions to do something. And in many ways, that's a blessing. But it's also a curse in that now you have this finality that you're you're advancing towards. Um, some say a, a quick death is much quick and unexpected death would be much more welcome because you you don't have to think about it. But um, talk a little bit about that conundrum. How does Anne Canfield deal with this this uh, information? So Anne is if Anne were a man, she would be considered a curmudgeon, but she's not a man, so she's considered cranky, imperious, annoying, all those wonderful words. And she is the publisher of a local paper. And she loves the people who work for her. And there have been, you know, hundreds who've gone through her newsroom over the 40-some years that she's run it. So she has a lot of opinions. She's accustomed to getting her way. And the biggest shock of her life is a diagnosis of a geoblastoma, a brain tumor, that will most certainly kill her, although she is absolutely determined that it will not. Right. And so her first reaction is complete denial. 
Yeah, and, I, would, I would say many people react that way. I would at first it would be denial and the shock of it, but then acceptance, and you you go, you go through the stages of grief while you're still alive. Does, she, right, does exactly. she do that, or she go down a different track? Maybe because of ego or personality. Well, she has lots of irons in the fire. She has a secret she's kept for 40 years. She has trouble with her, her one of her daughters-in-law. Uh, she worries about one of her sons. She has to figure out a way to deal with what happened with another son. And so she has all of these problems that she thought she had loads of time, at least another 30 years, to figure out how to to manage them. And now she has to do it quickly and suddenly, and she's a little bit lost and has no idea what she'll do next. And then, of course, she's already met Indira, who she saves the first moment she meets her. She saves her from drowning hmm. as an instinctive act. And that's the unexpected friendship. Yes. And, uh, yeah, very interesting there. It's a very karmic kind of thing going on. Um, tell us a, what you can about that, the dynamics of that relationship. So the, I don't know if you've ever met anyone unexpectedly with whom you felt an instant bond. Uh, this has happened to me a couple I, of I'm times. I'm married to her. <laughs> okay, so you yeah. married her. Yeah. Yes, you're very lucky to have mm -hmm. that outcome. But there's every once in a while you meet someone who is just like, oh, I know you. I've always known you. And so this is what Anne experiences when she meets this young woman, that that it's it's someone. This is someone she should have always known. And Indira has the same reaction to her. And so they they actually they go from there, although the beginning of the relationship is slower internally at the soul level, I guess you would say. Mm -hmm. uh, it was already present. It was already there for them. And it's with Indira's help that she navigates and navigates her way through the end of her life. Yeah, you make a very interesting point. As you were saying that, I was thinking about Tammy and how we met. And I won't go into all that because this is about your book and not about my <laughs> my family <laughs> life. <laughs> But it, it is true when you think about life. Uh, the people that come and go through your life, some are lifelong friends, some some maybe uh, people you know for a period of time. But there always are these people that stand out in your life and you wonder how you met them, why you met them, and why there was such a strong attraction. Uh, could be for business reasons, could be you know love interests, could be whatever, but what what brought you together and why? It's it's one of the great mysteries of life, and I'm, I'm glad you tackle it here, and, and certainly with the generational differences as well. Now, is this something metaphysical, or is it pure randomness? Yeah, it's probably both. I mean, <laughs> given the universe we live in, I think any answer could be true. Uh, although I, I have a sense that maybe we do have past lives, and Perhaps then we have future lives. Uh, I I don't really know the answer, you know. I and I don't blame myself for not knowing because who am I to know the answer? 
Jenny, I don't think in 30 minutes we can solve the mysteries of the universe. (laughs) (laughs) And on that note, we're going to take our first break. We're talking to author Jenny Fite, the author of Leave Everything You Know Behind. We'll be right back. Sunbury Press Books offers work by independent authors. Our imprint, Catamount Press, explores literature and creative nonfiction of the Northern Appalachia. The writings of P.J. Piccarello, including the Northern Appalachia Review Series, an annual publication for under-recognized literature. Also check out Dennis LeBaire's Appalachian Gross Dog, a boomer's memoir. Find these and more at sunburypress.com. I'm back with Ginny Fight, the author of Leave Everything You Know Behind, and we've been trying to diagnose the origins and functionings of the universe, and a uh, huge mystery, yes. And uh, I, I have a theory that we're, we're living in a simulation that's been programmed. <laughs> that no, that's many the of the worst one. Yeah, yeah, like many... I, I, I think Elon Musk is uh, is a believer in this, or, or supposes that that's the most likely. But you know, you think about why do we meet these people that are complete strangers that you instantly have uh, an you know affinity for, and it's almost like a video game with the non-player characters that pop in and suddenly become important. Tra- you know, they might transfer information to you, or they play a certain important role for a period of time. Others are lifelong characters in your life. It's a fascinating idea. I really hope that's not what we're living in. That would be very disappointing to me. It would be disappointing, yes. (laughs) Right, right. But pure randomness, that doesn't answer it either, Um, I don't think. But anyway, enough of that. Uh, I know uh, Leave Everything You Know Behind, a fantastic novel. We need to have more people reading it. And it's, it's recently out. Uh, hopefully we can get uh, a good following for it. But I also want to give you a chance to talk a little bit about the three other books that we've published uh, by Ginny Fight, or you've contributed to, and that's Possession, The Physics of Things, and Thoughts and Prayers. So pick one, and let, let's talk about those for a few minutes. Oh, my God. So I, I can't pick one. It's like picking one of your children. <laughs> All right. Let me let me pick one. The physics of things. Because, okay. you know, that's sort of going along with what we were just talking about. Yeah. We're leaving everything you know behind, and we're going to talk about the physics of things. <laughs> yeah, there does seem to be a trend there. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't – I never expected to tackle any big questions in my writing. I started out writing – uh, mysteries, mm-hmm. mostly like to flex those writing muscles, I think. Uh, and they were fun and intriguing to write. But then I got to a point where I thought, well, you know, really, this could be boring. I might have something else I want to think about. Uh, and the physics of things came to me as short stories. A number of them, 17 of them have been published in small journals. And after I had about 20 of them, I thought, my God, this is actually a novel. I've just gotten it coming to me backwards and upside down. And I just have to put it in the right order for it to have what we'd like to call a story arc. Mm-hmm. Although, you know, our lives don't have story arcs, but somehow we insist that our novels have story arcs. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. So, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. I was, I was just going to say, so this came to you randomly, almost like puzzle pieces on the floor, and then you had to put them together. Exactly. Where did it come, exactly from? Where'd like it come from? Anyway, that's yeah. another, that's a whole other conversation. That's a whole other conversation. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's that, but that's the that's the question for everything. Mm-hmm. Where does it come from? And it. Uh, so I'm writing a, a new book now, but this one also completely different. Maybe necessary to be completely different from Leaves, um, a thriller where the protagonist is a female assassin. So very different. Wow. And um, I I was thinking the other day, well, she has to have allies. She has to, she needs people who are going to help her do this impossible thing. But I don't know who they are. I, have, I haven't imagined them. So I'm just thinking about this, lying in bed, thinking, thinking. And then as if I'm sitting under an umbrella at the beach, you know, where you can't see above you, this head of a person leans over into my view. Of course, I have my eyes closed. And I see, I see a man there, and he's very vivid, and I know exactly what he looks like. And I thought, oh, well, that's ally number one, I guess. <laughs> and then in the next second, there's another guy who shows up. And I thought, so this is the fascinating thing about your brain. You can ask your brain for anything. This was while dreaming, or this is? I was half awake, you know, uh-huh. the, the trance like. Yes, trance like. Uh-huh. Now, so are, I, I think all books. Is this clairvoyant? Are you like projecting? No. Are you seeing something on a beach somewhere else around the world? Or maybe no, there's another. Listen, the whole sim theory. There's another universe that you're creating with your thoughts that you're. No, I'm, I'm all right. Never That's mind. Really, let's scary. drop our <laughs> let's drop our LSD and continue the conversation. <laughs> true. I, I have had the experience of writing a character. This is my first novel, Cromwell's Folly. I wrote this character who I thought was like the baddest guy in the whole universe of bad guys that I had simply made up. And a you know complete description of who he was and how he behaved and the things he did that he should have been long ago arrested for, and just you know went on writing that book. And then I was reading the newspaper. I don't know how I got to this Texas newspaper, but you know the internet takes you down these deep holes. And there, in a Texas newspaper, is the news story of this guy with a picture, my character, different name of course doing exactly the things I had written that he was doing. Wow. So, I, I'm not sure what that is, but I was very worried that I had somehow... Ginny Fight imagines a story, it. and it plays out in Texas. Welcome to the Twilight Zone. <laughs> That's exactly the feeling I had. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right. Well, how about a couple words on possession before our next break? Oh, I loved writing Possession. The it it's I think the only right there paranormal story I've ever written. There are ghosts and thoughts like that that weave through other stories, but that one is definitely take the ghost head on and see what happens. Uh, and I, I started writing that because I wanted to write sort of the update of the Muir, Mrs. Muir and the Ghost. Um, thinking it would be light and funny and, you know, a brisk read. I don't think it came out like funny, although I had some moments in it that I'm very pleased with, and I was so happy to have Sunbury publish it. Oh, we're very happy to have all all of your very creative work. 
On that note, Jenny, we're going to take another break. We're talking to Jenny Fight, the author of Leave Everything You Know Behind, Possession, The Physics of Things, and Thoughts and Prayers. We'll be right back. Sunbury Press Books brings you the work of authors from many genres. If you are into horror, thrillers, or fantasy, check out our Hellbender Books imprint, Thomas Malafarina's Maliformed Reality series, The Thirteenth Child by Nick Korolev, The State Changers series by Chris Fenwick, or the psychological thrillers of Keith Rommel. Find these and other works at the Hellbender Books tab and all works of fiction and nonfiction at sunburypress.com. I'm back with Jenny Fight, the author of Leave Everything You Know Behind. Jenny, um, the one book that we haven't talked about yet is Thoughts and Prayers. And I know we've also published recently a book called American Roulette. And uh, that's been selling very well and hopefully getting across a similar uh, message. And, uh, you know, we have the whole Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl party situation. Uh, It just is a bad movie over and over again. Um, tell us about, though, Thoughts and Prayers. This is something we published just a few years back. Um, right. Thoughts and Prayers is, I, I like to think of it this way, is the story of a young woman who makes the worst mistake of her life. And that is the moment she allows a young man heavily armed into her high school where he shoots 14 young people to death. Uh, this this is the American story. You know, I, I'm amazed that there aren't more novels about this because what we discovered, and there were four of us who wrote this book, not as a compilation of short stories, but this time as a novel with a story oh. arc and main characters that had arcs of their own. The, the thing we discovered as we wrote it was that a school shooting or any shooting at a at a party or a concert or anywhere that somebody pulls out a gun and just randomly shoots people. It's not about the shooter. It's not about even, sadly, the people who died. It affects the entire community, not even just their families, but people related to their families who know their families the grocer down the street, you know, the, the guy who drives the cab, everyone in that community is affected by this terrible event. It's a terrorist event. And we treat it like it's just another day. It's a tragedy in America, I think. Yeah, I, I don't think, um, just, we're just not set up real well in the media right now either because it's, everything's sensationalized in the media it's all about getting attention uh to the ugliness whatever it is and in this case the uh the violence uh, and then very little spent on talking about solutions or possibilities it, you know you jump right to the next news story that's a negative this negative that uh, one of the things i'm going to mention and we just kind of went into some metaphysical things here <laughs> but um Remind me who your co-authors were for Thoughts and Prayers again. So Kathy Baldo wrote uh, the main character in that novel. Mm-hmm. Um, K.P. Robbins. Right. And Tara Bell. Okay. And oddly enough, last year, a group of completely different people 
led by Sherry Knowlton, Pat LaMarche, who was the former Green Party vice presidential candidate who who debated Dick Cheney. It's one of her claims to fame. <laughs> J.M. West, who I've called the Agatha Christie of the Cumberland Valley, and she loves that. I think I said it one time at a meeting, and it kind of stuck. Now everybody calls her that. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, And several others. Um, you know, I, Forgive me for not mentioning everybody, but I think it was seven or eight authors came to me with an idea about another event a violent event involving guns and death, and they wanted to call it Thoughts and Prayers. Oh. And uh, they thought this was a unique idea, and I'm like, oh my God, it's not even unique at Sunbury Press. <laughs> we just published a book just a couple years before you all called Thoughts and Prayers, and it was about a school shooting. In this case, um, different setting, uh, same kind of stuff, though. Uh, what's different about American Roulette is the uh, the way the authors approached it um, or anything, and the climax to it, and so on. So it's a different story. It's not like they copied your story or anything. But it 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 is interesting to me that even in a small universe like Sunbury Press, Milford House uh, imprint, we have these different groups that that come to us. And they want to name the book the same thing, so that's one question, but then, you know, very focused on the topic and thinking that maybe a novel or literature can help us express and deal with it. So, two questions we're going to cover here in the final segment. Why fiction is good for this kind of thing. But first, let's talk about why did we all come to Thoughts and Prayers as the title? Um, how, how did that come about? Well... For us, for me in particular, those are the first words spoken by politicians on Twitter whenever one of these events, some politician uh, expresses his thoughts and prayers. But he knows he doesn't go there. He doesn't do anything about it. He doesn't stand up in Congress and say this has to stop. He doesn't fund a mental health study. I mean, there are a zillion things that, that they don't do, but they they have thoughts and prayers. So that's pretty much how we came to use it. Other, It's been used before us even out yeah. there, maybe for the same reasons. Yeah, right. No investment, a way to right. very cheaply just say, I'm concerned about what, you know, I feel for you. Yeah. I feel your pain. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so then why fiction? Oh, well, in fiction, I think, is where you can tell the truth. If you're writing nonfiction, you have to be, I think, very careful. Uh, Having written nonfiction for years, although some of my readers in newspapers would think that wasn't true, but I was Mm -hmm. trying for nonfiction. Um, I always felt like I had to be sure I had the facts, absolutely. And sometimes the facts don't add up to the truth. They just lay there on the page. But if you want to evoke in a reader what the truth is so that they know it, when they know what's happening, they can feel it, they can feel the truth of it, then I think you have to use fiction or Mm. poetry. That's interesting because as an historian myself, that sounds very Orwellian to me. (laughs) In order to get to the truth, you must write fiction. Yeah, that's like Maybe one plus one equals three. I mean, 
I would well, say, you know, let's write a let's write a history of this situation and you know, how many instances and uh, you know get to the. It would just be like Groundhog Day of the the worst horror. Um, but that that is kind of what we have. I mean, if you look at this, the international statistics, the number of shootings that there are across the world by country, the United States the, has two hundred times more of these shooting events than any other country in the world. How can that be? Well, Jenny, that's because that's because we're freer. <laughs> oh. We're freer to shoot other people. I'm just saying, uh, yeah. yeah. I think uh, one of the uh, other statistics was, now I might be conflating automobiles and guns, but <laughs> it's, it's possible that there are more of those objects than there are people in our country. I, I have read that statistic, yeah. 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 So don't quote me on that because I, I'm not sure. I know automobiles for sure. There's more cars than people, but and or vehicles. I don't know about guns, but it, it's, no. there are a lot of according, guns. According to the ATF, there are more guns than there are people in the United States. Yeah. It just means that there are collectors. I don't mind collectors. I don't care how many guns anybody has. Yeah. You can have a house full of guns. You just can't kill people with them. Right. And I, I think that's really... Given the number of guns that there are, um, if if it was directly related to just the guns, there would be many, many more shootings because we have many, many more guns than anybody else on the planet. So th- there's yeah, there's we other, should all be dead. <laughs> yeah, there's other elements. We have enough guns and bullets in this country to kill ourselves over a hundred, a thousand times, probably. Um, you know, so part of the the conundrum is why that doesn't happen on an even larger scale, uh, but then. You know, oh, one one time is too many. So, yeah, it's it's a it's a horrendous situation. I know we can't solve that, but I do want to get back to your your comment about fiction. You see value in the fiction because you can get to the details that maybe they can't say on TV or people don't know about because it's not reported because we don't go to that depth. Or or the people that would experience it are gone and can't say you know this is how I died and this is what it felt like right. Well, it's even more than that. The thing about fiction is that there are two people at work. When you read something, you, the reader, bring something to that page. You bring the the whole experience of your life, everything you've ever thought and felt, all your memories, all the things you're thinking about that bother you. And if there's something on that page, it's like a signal or a cue that, triggers your own response then you have created something there that you personally can know to be true rather than having to weigh it you know as if it were a fact and no i'm not very good at explaining this but i think that that's at play in a story well all right well, in the last couple of minutes, uh, I'm going to try to come back to something not so quite so <laughs> <Something> sober. <concrete. laughs> um, yeah, what what are you working on now? Do you have some? I know we started to talk about another novel you're working on. Is that your current project? That's the current project. I, I have two others that I'm still refining. I don't know how I got into the situation where I'm several novels ahead of what got published, but um, so I have. 
I have a story done that I'm still fiddling with because I'm still workshopping it. Uh, it's a kind of uh, Fargo meets Miss Marple. Oh, nice. Um, meant to be funny, which would be maybe a relief after all the tissues I needed for leave. And, um, and then after that, I have what I hope is a kind of upmarket suspense. And that's done, also workshopping that. And then the new one I'm working on is the thriller, an out-and-out thriller. You know, scrape off all the thoughts and feelings and just <laughs> drive for the, the hardcore uh, lunacy of doing something in the world. Mm-hmm. Well, Jenny, it's been a pleasure talking to you and also a pleasure being your publisher. Hopefully uh, you can keep them coming and we keep publishing and something will break through in a big way. Thank you very much for being my publisher, though. I really really appreciate this partnership thank you for listening to the sunbury press book show on the book speak network check out our website at www.sunburypress.com for our latest releases be sure to subscribe to our newsletter to receive special offers and discounts